Welcome to Back Chat. I am uh, your host, Jason, and this is my buddy, Paul. What's going on, Paul? How's it going, Jason? Uh, you know, it's I've we, we've seen better days. We've seen worse ones, but we've seen better. This is the uh, the the apocalypse version of the show, uh, the special cliffhanger episode. Um, <laughs> as everyone knows, the world is currently uh, on pause because of the uh, pandemic, uh, COVID nineteen going around, and that includes the USL and our uh, switchbacks. So uh, we haven't really had much to talk about. Um, what have you been up to during the past, oh gosh, <laughs> month and a half? Uh, and not a lot, just just working and, and waiting waiting for the world to restart. Yeah. You essential? I am. Yeah. Did you feel special about that? Not, not particularly. <laughs> Kind of, I, kind of worried. No, it's... I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to to have a job uh, when so many of my friends are uh, are going through it right now with uh, with unemployment and all that. Yeah. So, uh, as much as I joke about not feeling like my job is essential, I, I'm I'm very happy. Yeah. Well, I am not essential. I am on a government subsidized sabbatical, so. Uh, this whole staying in the house is, is kind of been normal for me for a while now, but now that I can't go outside, I really want to. So it's kind of yeah. like there is a re- <laughs> reverse effect for me. It's like, you know, for the past 10 years, I'm like, yeah, I'm inside. I don't want to go outside. That's where people are. And now, exactly. and now it's like, oh, wow. There's like, it's, it's, we've got teenager syndrome. You know, we didn't want to do it until somebody told us we couldn't. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> It's like, oh, can I? I want to go to the grocery store. I want to go to Walmart and like get pissed at people, and <laughs> I, I just can't. So, um, so yeah, the good news: uh, none of us have. Uh, I, I, I would assume if you had contracted the uh, the the Rona, we, we, you would have mentioned something. So I assume you and uh, your yeah. significant other have been uh, <laughs> uh, virus-free. Same here in the Smith household. Um, we are Which is fantastic to hear. Yeah, knock on wood. Um, I don't think any of anyone in the uh, switchback realm has has contracted it. No one in the in the front office that I've heard has uh, or players or anything like that has been been affected. So that's good to hear. Um, you know, there the it's it's weird when when this first started. Um, it, yeah, I was watching the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, Utah Jazz game on the NBA network and was waiting for it to start and then they were like you know warming up full crowd there getting hyped and then they were just like nope and they stopped and it seemed like from that moment on everything closed down I think that was like the Tuesday or Wednesday yeah and um, that included the USL it was, it was almost shocking at how quickly everything shut down at in that span, it was like a span of three days, and not just you know us, but the world. Like you know, we didn't, we don't have no, no Premier League we can watch. We didn't have no uh, Liga MX, La Liga, the Bundesliga. We didn't have any of those any any sports whatsoever in the world to watch, and it has been really, really weird. Um, it really, it really has. It really has. Normally. Normally, when when one sport uh, you know breaks for the 
the their off season, we've got five other sports to to take the place, and it's been uh, a, a strange world devoid of devoid of competition. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the, we're, the closest thing that you know we, we've kind of had to this in America is, was nine eleven, and which you know for after nine eleven there was three or four days where the entire country shut down, but sports resumed fairly quickly after that and it was like sports was the one thing that kind of brought everybody together and uh yeah really has you know that sense of community one has when it comes to sports whether or not it's you know um rooting for the new york teams and the nfl which normally i can't stand the jets and the giants but after 9-11 you're like you know getting a little misty-eyed you know whenever they win or um you know new orleans after Katrina, their first game yeah, back yeah. back at the at the the Superdome, and you know with, with this, it's like everyone is, is affected from from minor league teams to high school teams. Um, I, gosh, I can't imagine what it would be like to to be uh, playing spring sports as a high schooler and you know out there shopping yourself for scholarships. You know where this is the girls saw. So- uh, high school girls soccer is is in the spring, um, you know, ba- boys baseball. Uh, so it's like so much has been disrupted, and normally the things that we take, um, I don't want to say for granted, but the things that that we use to 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 bring us together are just not there, and it's been really really weird, and it's almost like you know, there's the before times when we had soccer and. There's the the current time where we're kind of in this limbo, dread mode. Um, so, so yeah, there really hasn't been much going on with the switchbacks. We we did have our first game of the season against the Oklahoma City Energy, uh, a team that we I don't want to say official rivalry with, but a team we've kind of we, we don't like. Um, Absolutely. I mean, that that kind of goes with the entire state of Oklahoma for me, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the uh, what we in the game, um, and I'll be honest, I had to go back and rewatch the highlights because I remember that we won, and I remember feeling good about how we won, but I didn't remember like the specifics. Like I remember the you know it it was. It was a good game, and we beat them. And it didn't, you know, it didn't look like the switchbacks of old, um, mainly because we've only got three returning players. But um, we looked good. We got a victory. Uh, we, we defeated Oklahoma City Energy at uh, in Oklahoma City, um, two to one. And actually, I think it was the very next day is when the quarantine kicked in. So I remember that the, uh, the some of the team were stuck in hotels there in Oklahoma City. Um, but uh, basically, the game unfolded like this, and and forgive me for not being too descriptive on the details. Uh, I didn't re- rewatch the game, uh, but uh, scoring was opened up by uh, former Oklahoma City Energy player Christian Veliski in the 16th minute. Uh, a nice cross from oh boy, now it's it's killing me. I want to say Aiden Daniels, uh, and uh, he put it past the keeper. A keeper got a piece of it, but he got the rebound. And we were up one nothing in the 16th minute. Um, so we were all like, "Yay!" Um, do you do you remember the goal? What did you think of it? No, I I I, I remember it. I remember thinking. Um, 
it was it was kind of a poacher's goal. It was uh, literally just derived from following following the attack yeah. and being there for for what was really a quick rebound and could have easily just been saved. Um, not the most spectacular goal for for your first goal for your new club, but uh, but also to make an impact that early in your first game for them had to feel good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was. Uh... Uh, it was early. We had a lead. Um, we went into halftime up one to nothing, uh, and uh, was feeling pretty good about things. Second half came out, and uh, things began to get a little chippy. It was like you know Jordan Burt went in there and said, "Hey, you know we don't like these guys. These guys suck." And uh, that's when <laughs> the physical play began. Uh, lots of yellow cards dished out. I believe there was, f- I thought there was five, but the box score only shows four so we'll say four cards were handed out uh, two on each side um and then in the 15th minute uh oklahoma city uh got a a actually really pretty set piece goal um uh swung in uh, the captain harris headed it past uh, our goalkeeper Melvin, and uh, just like that, tied up one to one. And I think just about everyone watching the game at home just was like, "Oh, here we go. It's gonna be gonna be like that, huh?" Um, I don't know. I thought it was a pretty a pretty goal. I thought that Sean Melvin uh, could have made a little more effort on it, but um, it was pretty pretty well uh, well well handled by Oklahoma City. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, uh, Atiba Harris is, uh, is a great player, um, in this league and he's, he's always threatening whenever I hear his name on the ball. Um, it definitely, it, it always carries some threat with it. Yeah. So not surprising to, to see him on the end of it. So, uh, we continued on with the one, one tie, um, up until the 78th minute when, um, Valdo Luna was uh well, I believe was 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 a goal at a pretty tight angle uh went in went past the keeper uh, and uh, uh the defender but of course you know I believe that may have been the the uh, home team scoring where they uh, gave it as an own goal uh as Steven said in the 78th minute uh kind of robbing Luna of his his first goal of the season but it's a goal's a goal and uh a goal's a goal. A win's a win. I, looking at the angle, it may have been on its way in anyway. And uh, one of our guys was was there for the cleanup if it had gotten past that defender. Um, in fact, I think it was uh, George Labese who was uh, waiting waiting for the uh, rebound if it did come out. Um, and a goal's a goal. Yeah, a goal is a goal. And the end of the night... Uh, with a 2-1 victory, or one of our rare victories in Oklahoma City, and um, walked out of it, said, "All right, we're we're looking good. Was gonna have, we're gonna heading into our home our, our home opener with um, boy, I, sh- I guess I should have grabbed the schedule, <laughs> huh? The home opener against whoever we were playing next, and um, that didn't happen. It didn't happen. It uh, that week the the Corona the, the ramifications of the coronavirus really began to hit, and just about everything was shut down. Um, and we've we've kind of been in the same spot since. Here we are, a month later, uh, almost being a May, 
and uh, the league first uh, put out a, a temporary suspension. Uh, I believe it was for just for two weeks. We were thinking, well, it's not going to be that that bad. Not going to be that long. Um, and boy, were we wrong. It just kept going and going. And um, now we're kind of like, when is this going to start? Is this going to start? Um, you know, the league, uh, the league trying to fill that void started up their uh, Rocket League uh, cup or, uh, of, of uh, players and fans. As, uh, if anyone, anyone not aware, Rocket League is an is a online video game where you're basically in a car hitting a soccer ball <laughs> into a goal. I, I, I played it once and was not that big of a fan. But um, <laughs> I got to say, I, I was actually kind of impressed that the USL uh, not only threw, threw this league together fairly quickly, but got broadcasting rights on ESPN for it. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So, they, they embraced esports uh, very quickly. And I honestly, I think it, it kind of a brilliant decision. I It probably would have been... Uh, would have been just as easy to do it. Uh, maybe l- there would have been licensing issues if they had tried to do it with like with FIFA. Yeah. Um, maybe Rocket League was easier to easier for them to uh, be allowed to broadcast. But uh, I really think that to fill some of the the void, some of the the competitive void for for the fans who are basically had to. You know that the commercial with the guy with the the dollar bill and the end of the fishing rod. The, <laughs> oh, you almost had it. That was that was Rona with our soccer season. So yeah, um, I I feel like I feel like they they embraced and a lot of a lot of different sports uh, have been um, a lot of different sports and different leagues have been embracing some level of uh, of esport entertainment for their fans. Yeah, I, I think it was. It was a good thought, and and as you said, they organized their their league for it pretty quickly. Yeah, they were all uh, over it. Um, yeah, uh, but their tournament ended the last weekend, and FC Tucson uh, won it. So, uh, congrats to them. Uh, the um, the USL fans got together. Uh, USL memes, an account on Twitter, uh, actually organized a, a supporters. Uh, FIFA tournament, both on the PlayStation and on the Xbox. Uh, Dominic Jacobson is a longtime fan. Uh, most most people know who he is. Uh, he's been playing on the PlayStation side, and I know he won, won two games this weekend. Um, I don't have the standings in front of me, but uh, he's doing pretty good in there, so he's keeping the... Uh, uh, representing the switchbacks pretty decently on there. Um, I was I was gonna try to get into it, but I unfortunately I got my copy of the game too late. Yeah, and I, I would do it too, but I suck. <laughs> I I wouldn't say that I suck, but I definitely my my skills are much better against uh, against the CPU than against actual players yeah. with skill. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's that's kind of me. Uh, like I'd be playing, I'd be playing, and I'd be like, yeah, I feel pretty good, feel pretty good, and then I get my son overplay, and he would just like destroy me, and I'm like. I hate this game. Never gonna play it again. <laughs> and uh, that's just fifty bucks down the tube. Uh, so um, <laughs> I know the feeling. But uh, but yeah, it, it, there, there's been efforts by the league to keep interest going and keep at least you know keep some fans uh, not you know make sure that their name is on 
our Twitter feeds, on our social media. Um, you know, I don't know about anyone else, but basically my day is just filled cycling between watching Facebook, Twitter, and uh, cable news. And I've been doing that for the past six weeks, and it's been, you know, obviously has the psychological effect where now I, I, need, I need to rage kill someone. Um, but <laughs> it's, good, it's good to see that, that the USL is keeping up in this. And uh, the switchbacks, um, you know, to their credit, have been, been do, doing a lot more. I, I was worried that they would just be like, all right, well, everything's closed down. Let's just, uh, you know, tweet out every week that we're building a new stadium and that's it. And, um, but aside, they've been doing that, but aside from that, you know, they've had, you know, Ziggy at home doing jazzercise and then learning how to play the piano and, uh, you know, contests and stuff. So there's been an effort on the switchbacks part to, uh, keep some sort of, of social, social media, uh, presence going. Um, they got an auction for charity, uh, for the, um, I believe it's for one of the local food banks that definitely needs help. Food banks now here in town definitely need help. Um, so yeah, they, I mean the leagues have been trying have been doing pretty good in trying to keep fans involved. Um, it sucks not having games. Um, I tried for a little bit to uh, uh, go through my memory of of what were I considered some of the best games and switchbacks history and was posting on the trailheads. Uh, I think the team saw that and started doing it themselves and doing it as a watch party. So I kind of let them take the lead on that. But, um, which I, I, I enjoyed. I, uh, I got to watch, I think it was Saturday night. I, uh, I got to watch the, the replay of the snow game, um, which was one of, uh, one of the iconic games in, in switchbacks history back when, back when, you know, we had multiple guys on the team capable of scoring, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, it, the, the the snow game in 2015 was the first home win in Switchbacks history. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, not just – no one remembers that, but they remember the snow. Uh, it was also uh, – I remember the five goals. Yeah, the That's five goals I remember. was, was uh, um, the best best uh, home score in, in the league that year. So, uh, you know, I, everyone, I, I made a post about thinking about, you know – when I think about the best switchbacks team, my mind immediately goes to the 2016 team. Uh, but um, the 2015 team was a lot better than, I mean, we always th- we thought it was kind of magical and they were underdogs, but they, they uh, tore through people. I mean, they went, they went through June undefeated. Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, that's no, I mean, that's no Phoenix, you know, that's, but uh, that's pretty good for a team that, that was hastily brought together uh, in an expansion team. Uh, so uh, I also posted the, the mud game, which is one of my personal yep. favorites. Uh, Lake, good old Lake Vercoloni. Lake Vercoloni. I'm going to miss it when we go to the new stadium. Uh, I, I hope they, they accidentally like leave one pit corner of the pitch, like, <laughs> like a quarter inch lower than the rest of it. So like when it rains, a nice puddle will form and we can, we can rechristen it Lake Vercoloni. Um, Maybe just like a, a water feature or a fountain by the entry <laughs> that they can call Lake Vercoloni. <laughs> Something that doesn't impact the play. Water feature. <laughs> oh. Give me a little a little waterfall or a fountain and call it, you know, Lake Vercoloni. I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. One thing I remember about the mud game uh, was um, I was sitting in where we were in the stands. We were right uh, in front of, uh, uh, the, 
the North Goal, uh, which which at that time had flooded pretty good too. I mean the 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 box was just basically a lake, and uh, you know standing in the middle of it, uh, David Lagorak, the goalkeeper at the time. I mean the water came up to his ankles, and at one point at the end of the game, when when he's waste you know wasting time, you can see him catch the ball, come down. And as normal practice for a goalkeeper, when you're wasting time at the end of the game, you drop down and smother the ball for a good two, three seconds, look around, then get back up. And, yep. and as he's coming down, you could see that look on his face where he's like, do I take it? Do I do, I do this? This is going to be, this is going to suck. I'm going to do it for the team. And then flops down. And the the water was so deep, it enveloped his back. So it was like, like not just, laying in the water, flopping down, but being fully submerged in that muck. And it was like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that, <laughs> that's, that's outdoor soccer. This is what I pay for. So, um, I, I just remember the, the port, I, I don't know if they were like interns or staff, but, uh, at halftime, uh, using a, using like a push broom, like yeah, a garage push yeah. broom, trying to squeegee the, the water out of, out of the, the, the goal area. Well, and they, oh, they, push, they push it up the hill and then they would just keep on flowing back, run back down. Back. It's like, that's how gravity works. <laughs> that's, that's physics. Y'all. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, lots, lots of, uh, having to, lots of going, going down memory lane, um, yeah, you know, there were some of the great games. Uh, there was the in season one. There was the away game at Sacramento where uh, Ronnie Argueta scored, I believe, in the 40th second, and uh, we held on with an incredible defensive display uh, for a one nothing victory over the the mighty mighty Sacramento Republic and their 12,497 fans. <laughs> um, there was the second season, which was the uh, against. Um, Orange County Blues, I want to say, uh, uh, where uh, the volleyball game, where Luke Vercoloni at the very at the very end, there was a very obvious goal against us, but Luke was standing in the goal and basically jumped up and spiked the ball out, and every <laughs> every human on in that stadium saw it except for the three referees, <laughs> and it was one of those where. Um, I may have been standing next to you and Mark when we were in, in the media section and we looked up to see the replay of it. You know, everyone just kind of had that, ooh, ooh, let's not talk about this ever again. Um, I, the, the, the thing that, that strikes me is that Luke is such a good, a, a, a good-hearted guy. I'm surprised he didn't send himself off. You yeah. Know? Well, and it's, it, that's how everyone, everyone, big players all stopped like, oh, crap you know not only is this going to be a penalty kick that's going to be a red card and um i think it was salt lake city now that i think of it because we had played them because of its uh, a scheduling snafu we had played them like on a on a this the sunday before and then played them wednesday night and they had beat us the sunday before on a really bad call and and that was like the 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 next match and there were still a lot of heated emotions and the 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 players literally on both sides could not believe it, you know, and, and Luke just kind of got up like, yeah, that was normal. That was my head that, that hit that <laughs> totally, totally normal. Um, you know, and everyone on all switchbacks were like, okay, let's yeah. Corner kick, definitely a corner kick. Come yeah, on. Absolutely. But, um, uh, another game is the 2016, I'm sorry, 2017, 
um, the the pink game, uh, the the cancer awareness game, uh, yep. where uh, Rocket Ronnie hit a hit a, a, a just a a blazer again. I don't remember who we were playing, in in the I believe it was the 90th minute and in, in stoppage time, uh, to defeat whatever poor schlubs we were playing at that time. Uh, was, was that the? I'm trying to remember if that was the one I'm thinking of where uh, Jack Jones yeah. assisted, where yeah. he he got the ball to his feet, uh, played with his back to goal, and just left it left it for Ronnie, and he just smashed it from just, about 20 yards out. Just an absolute laser, and then. It was. It was. Uh, that season was a rough one because we had gone from being one of the best teams in the league to being uh, just a completely fractured unit with absolutely no no coherency or anything. So that was a, a cathartic game. Um, and then, like you know, last year we really didn't have any games to to write home about. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's there was the 2018 season opener against uh, <laughs> against Tulsa where we officially won three to nothing, but uh, uh, <laughs> oh, that one, that you, one. You won't find that on YouTube, believe me. I looked hard for it. <laughs> the league just was like, yeah, this pretend that, that game, game never happened. Never happened. <laughs> uh, so. Um, so now you know we're thinking we we we've got that good you know build up in memories. Uh, what when are we going to have soccer again? And the answer is we have no idea. Um, and and the best indicator uh, so far is is uh, I could say we're pretty much going to follow the same schedule uh, that MLS does. That just seems to be the pattern. Like when MLS pushed their stuff back two weeks. We sent out a press release the exact you know same day or the next day with the same times. Uh, each time the, the the it's been almost the the press releases with the delays have almost been mirrored, and um, there's a moratorium on training. Uh, that way, some teams can't sneak together and do training exercises while other teams uh, are are stuck at a, at a home. Um, right, that moratorium has been pushed back three or four times, and I believe right now the moratorium is, I want to say, from May fourth is when it's officially lifted. Um, so, so teams cannot officially or unofficially practice. Um, I know a lot of the stuff. Uh, there's been a lot of social media updates from the players, from uh, Coach Koch. Um, where they're doing, you know, Zoom meetings together, doing leadership, going over strats, which I think is good. Um, it's weird to say because this forces everyone apart. But this could be one thing that brings everyone together. Uh, is that you know we, we're in, the team is in this kind of shared um, separation. Um, most of these players are, are, are roommates in team housing, uh, which is typically a, a bar apartment that the, the team leases out. Um, and all they can do is, you know, stay inside. They can't, you know, go to the park and practice a little bit. You know, they can't do any of that. So, um, you know, they, they, have, they have been doing team exercises. Uh, Coach has been giving them uh, homework to do um, in terms of uh, leadership and st st uh, uh, strategies, um, going over film together. So I, I would say if... if if they can come back in some sort of 
uh, fitness, they should have the mental side of the game down. Um, because, man, they have been, I'm sure they are just raring to go. Uh, they did do, um, at the very beginning, they did the toilet paper challenge where they all yep. you know, juggled the toilet paper roll, which was actually pretty decent. Um, but aside from that, the, 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 the other thing that we're kind of looking for, um, the sort of looking into our crystal ball, uh, you know, throwing chicken bones, trying to read the tarot cards, is seeing what little snippets of interviews that the commissioner, uh, Jake Edwards, or I think the president, I forget what his official title is, but basically the commissioner of USL, Jake Edwards, has been going around on on doing interviews and, and tweeting little things and kind of picking and choosing what he's saying here and there and finding out, uh, you know, what exactly he, his thoughts are and, and the U.S. USL uh, Board of Governors is coming up with. Um, so here's, here's some things that I've seen. Um, he did a fairly extensive uh, interview a chat on Instagram Live with uh, Jeff Reuter for The Athletic. Um, and uh, they talked about when play will resume, how it will resume. Um, you know, they, they said that their board of governors, which is essentially the owners of the team, the presidents, uh, they have a conference call. Of, I think he said once a week. They have a conference call f- frequently. Um, but he said uh, that... that uh, the direct quote from him, I think we can appreciate that we're not going to be kicking off on May 11th. Um, so May 10th was the USL's uh, last suspension to, of play. How do I word this? May 10th was their their resuming league activity, um, where basically they expected the league to start back up. And uh, he's, it's not going to happen. So uh, anyone with thoughts that we're going to have play in two weeks that that we you can always tell it's not going to happen the parts of the country are just starting to open back up again um you know, here in colorado you know they were kind of opening things back up loosening the uh um loosening the the stay-at-home restrictions i think they're calling it safer yeah, at home safer at home yeah. yeah yep um but obviously until until we until there's a situation that allows gatherings of more than 20 people I would say you're not really going to see teams practicing and um, you know right now he's he's saying that it's really too early to say when that's going to start up again Um, and even the club that the he said the clubs were reticent to put out a June or July date um, which kind of worries me because you go in June July you're thinking you that's cutting the season in half I mean July's halfway point of the season. So um, if we start up by July, he mentioned in, and I'm piecing this together from several different interviews, um, the there's been a couple thoughts of how to handle it, whether it be a shortened season or playing, um, you know, closed-door games. Uh, he did say that there are, uh, there are a, a good chunk of the USL owners are absolutely, absolutely against closed door games uh because one that there's no no money involved in it right um you know you, teams like the switchbacks you know the, their their gate is how they pay for broadcasting the games and all that um 
in, in another interview I copied. I've literally been scouring Twitter looking for any news. It's become my <laughs> full-time job. Um, what's not really known is is that teams have to pay for the broadcasts, and they get money. You know, we get they get a chunk back from the ESPN deal uh, collectively. But uh, just to give you an example, uh, the Philadelphia Union. Uh, Union 2, they had to pay uh, their production uh, team, Vista Worldlink, uh, one-time payment of 25 grand, and their production production company is contracted by the USL is $6,000 per game played, uh, which I've heard is actually pretty cheap for a you know three-camera setup with you know uh, stats and and producers and and commentators. So oh, yeah. you can yeah, imagine that's... for the switchbacks, you know, six grand a game. Um, you, you can understand why they're so, you know, just having that six grand plus the player's salary and no revenue coming back from that. Uh, you can see from a team's point of view how that would just be a non-starter. Um, they do not want to go with that at all. So I would say the odds of having closed door games are are slim to none. Um, I would, I would, I would. In fact, I would think that that they would just cancel the season before they would play closed door games Um, absolutely most most sports franchises at this level operate at a loss yeah uh, the majority of a time um and when you're talking about uh, forcing them to um to basically host the 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 most expensive type of event they can uh with no nothing coming back toward toward uh, yeah. to them it, it's just it would make more sense to cancel the whole thing yeah um what what i've thought and what i've i've you know i've seen a lot of uh u.s uh soccer pundits and and uh people around the different leagues in this country talking about is you know this might be the soccer in the u.s might be the one sport that kind of benefits from all of this postponement in that they could, if they so desired, they could resume the season in the fall and finally have a season that follows along with all of the other leagues in the world that play a, you know, August to August to April uh, type season. Yeah. Um, which is possible, obviously, in Colorado and uh Salt Lake, um, it would it would make for some pretty cold games. Uh, also, like uh, Philadelphia, for example, you know, people don't think of that as all that cold, but uh, it, it gets pretty pretty darn snowy up in the Northeast as well. So, um, well, let, let me let me throw some cold water on that. Um, <laughs> straight from Jake Edwards, they they had mentioned the the idea of going to a, a European schedule. Um, and he said, you know, everything everything is on the table, but that's way down in the list of uh, what they want. They're, they're really not wanting to do that, at least at the USL side. MLS, I've heard there is there is interest in doing that, but um, USL side, he uh, he seems like he's they're pretty against that idea, which kind of surprised me because you think there would be a that would make it easier to attract players, uh, maybe not i guess if for the lower level players who if they had to choose between you know playing at a, a division or a a second flight team in europe as opposed to playing for a second flight team in america would be you know kind of reduce the pool of players but 
I, I don't know. Um, I, I think that if the MLS does do it, that USL will probably follow along. And the reason, the number one reason that I think that they might is that it would mean for the first time in the history of the league, the transfer windows would align with the rest of the entire planet. Yeah. Uh, we're literally, much like the metric system, uh, we <laughs> we are the only place in the world who does it differently. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not, in my opinion, not a, a point of pride. I, I think that it's... This is a this is a a uh, an opportunity to finally do things the right way, um, and it would make it easier to sign players from around the world. Yeah, uh, it would make negotiations with other clubs and with players' agents. It would make things so much simpler if they weren't trying to sign people. Uh, in the middle of their seasons, uh, signing, being forced to sign people out of free agency rather than uh, actual transfers. Um, well, and I just always thought it was ridiculous, you know, where you, uh, Tim Howard's going to come play for the for the Rapids this summer, once the once the Premier League wraps up, and it's like, you know, uh, Wayne Rooney was the same thing. We're going to have him. Yep. He's going to be with us, uh, Schweinsteiger. He's going to come with us to the fire. Uh, but this summer, he's got to finish out, you know, the important yeah. games overseas. Half, half a season. Yeah. You get him for half a season. And it's it's it's, it's ridiculous. It just, it just, there's no way you could really consider yourself a world-class league and, and, and do that where, you know, a player's got to finish up. You know, it's almost, it's almost like he's got to finish up the varsity season. You know, play for the varsity team, then he'll come play for our rec league. You know, once he's done with that, yeah. that's kind of how it is. Um, I can see the MLS definitely going going to a uh, um, going to a fall and winter schedule after this. Um, USL doesn't seem to have much of an appetite for that. They want to do stuff over the summer, where I, where I, I would imagine getting more more butts in the seats is easier than um, you know every weekend being a snow game. Um, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you can also look at leagues leagues in Europe, like uh, the Bundesliga is a, a prime example. Uh, the Premier League doesn't do this. League One in France doesn't do this, but they have a winter break yep. where they just they just stop for all of Jan. I think it's all of January and part of February, mm-hmm. um, and then they resume. Um, and that's that's an option too that still would line up with the transfer windows of the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, so you wouldn't be forcing players and fans to be out in in the worst of the worst. Yeah. Which, you know, here, you know, it's can get pretty bad, but got to admit those, the, those are the games that excite me. You know, the purists are like, how can you play this? And this, and this snow is on the ground. And to me, I'm like, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> if you, if you have to stop the game three times to shovel the lines, that's a good game. Yeah. Every time I see the, the orange ball come out, it's like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Now I'm excited. Um, <laughs> So, let me see. Ah, oh, here it is. Here it is. Uh, what I'm looking at the, the reading the, some of the notes in the transcript of the transcript where uh, retooling the league's calendar to mirror the fall to spring model deployed in the majority of soccer playing nations. Um, as uh, switching the calendar has gathered a growing number of supporters among USL fans and some club personnel. However, doing so is far down the list of rescheduling models. 
uh, Jake Edwards. I think the focus now is to see if we can get the 20 season in some form, then break and start the 21 season. Um, the financial impact that this will have on the clubs will go through to, to the 21 season, and I th- and we have to think about some of the programs to help clubs get back on level footing, uh, which is good. At least they recognize that you know for some teams, this is the this this uh, break is is isn't really that big of a deal for others this is the difference between uh existing and folding um i i can't help but think that this has happened in the 2017 season the switchbacks may not have survived it um let's see here the uh, all, all of our owners are fantastic. Of course, he's going to say that. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're taking the long view, and they have to. They're not just thinking about 20 and how we do how we get back. They're thinking 21, 22, 23, and beyond. Uh, we've got teams building stadiums, making multimillion-dollar investments in their communities, and all the work that carries on, which is true for us. I mean, the stadium is being built right now as we speak. Uh, apparently, they're essential as well. So... Um, you know, for the switchbacks, uh, you know, going into 21 has been their primary focus. Um, let's see here. This will pass. We will have something this season, and I think it's minimi- And then it's about minimizing the effect on ne- next season. Any kind of, let's call it, European calendar is very far down the list of considerations. So when I hear that, I'm, I'm hearing him say, eh, thanks, but no thanks. Um, Without exactly saying no, that's not going to happen because who knows how this is all going to go down. Um, so, cold water on that. Sorry, um, you know one possible problem would be summer comes, everything opens up, and then they want to start the 20 season uh, in September. It just as the second wave hits and they do more shutdowns, um, so that might be problematic as well. What they are talking about what seems to be the most likely scenario is they are going to there's talk of splitting the league into four uh, conferences four divisions um, sort of like a, a Pacific West a Mountain West uh, um, and then the East you know North North Atlantic South Atlantic um, Basically blocking off the team, so we're only playing, uh, you know, in, in one of the mock-ups someone made, uh, it would be, you know, uh, Colorado Springs, New Mexico, uh, and this one it's Phoenix, uh, El Paso, uh, all the teams from Texas, the two Oklahoma teams, and you would have home-on-home series with each of the teams, and then have like a uh, a home-on-home with half of the other teams, or or basically cutting the number of games down and cutting the amount of travel down. So instead of traveling, you know, having to make the flights out to California, uh, we just stick to, you know, basically the Texas teams and the uh, and New Mexico. Um, I, I don't. I mean, it, it's to me, it's like, okay, uh, you know, then what happens? Season ticket holders paid for 17 games, and instead we get, you know, uh, eight. Um, you know, there's things like that they would have to work out logistically. But in my my mind, this is going to be the most. Uh, this is going to be probably the easiest way to to do this, where there's there's basically a uh, you know home and home for 14 to 16 games, um, and then you know basically have enough games to have a, sh- a shortened 
playoff and get this season in the books and, and get on to, to 2021. Um, yeah. And you, you bring up a good point with the, the season ticket holders. I, I that's going to be, that's going to be rough to deal with. You're basically going to have to offer extreme discounts for renewals for next season. Uh, in the switchbacks case, probably give, you know, uh, preferential treatment on, on season ticket selection in the new stadium um, they're, they're going to have to kind of bend over backwards to, um, to make sure that those people who already paid, um, what in some people's opinion for, for the, uh, this, for the product that they're seeing and the, the team that they're, they're viewing, um, some kind of exorbitant season ticket prices, yeah. uh, and, you, know, you, you gotta offer, you gotta, you have to make some value there. Yeah. And, and you gotta think though, from, from the front office and ownership point of view, I don't think it would, I don't think they would be upset at, at, at uh, telling everyone, okay, you know, we, you, you paid for 17 games. We're having eight games. We're going to take 11 games of value and put it towards your account for the new stadium. Um, yeah. And I, I think that that's probably the a safe way to do it. Yeah, it's I can't see them issuing refunds or you know giving people the option of hey we can we can transfer this over to the 2021 season in the the new stadium or everyone can flex and give give their t- tickets to a buddy and you know try to pack the place. I I can imagine some people want to do that as an alternative, um, but uh, I think for the switchbacks. Um, you know, having a shortened season, I think we're at the point now where if we were to have a season in July, there is just no way that we could play 30, 34 games uh, from July till the beginning of October. Um, it would basically. No, you would, there would, if they attempted to do that, the, the injury, the risk for injury for these players would be astounding. Yeah. Um, you see it, you see it already in, uh, in, basketball baseball hockey uh, sports that have you know 80 plus games even when they're you know sports where they're allowed to be subbed in and out throughout the game and they're they may only play 20 minutes at a time as the season wears on those those fatigue injuries become a real issue and when you're talking about guys that you know eight out of the 11 are probably you know playing 90 minutes plus it's um it's yeah, pretty rough. Yeah, just spitballing here. I'm thinking how you know uh, another topic. I, I, I this kind of leads into another topic I, I want to talk about is the the, the USL's players union, uh, the USLPA uh, now exists, and uh, Edwards has said that that they actually have a daily call with the union uh, union representatives. They haven't officially got a, uh, a collective bargaining agreement down yet, but the players union is involved in decisions on how to proceed with this season. Um, and if I, I can imagine, if they wanted to say, we want the full 34 games uh, from, you know, in from June through uh, uh, September, I could see them doing it, maybe going back to having six subs per game, um, increasing the roster size, something of that nature to where, you know, you can almost bring in half, you know, like it was in the first season where you had six subs and you could, you know, basically replace half the team every game um, and give players a little more chance to play, uh, a little more chance to rest. Um, you know, maybe having all the all the games 
uh, set in, in regionally. Like, you know, we if we're going to play, you know, all the, all the Texas games are going to happen for the switchbacks in, you know, one big group. So they can go down there, get a hotel, and basically just go in between each of the state games or each of the teams and then fly back and then have, you know, three weeks of home games and then go to California and so on. So yeah, minimize, minimize the, the back and forth travel. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think that I, th- I can't imagine unless, unless the union got something incredible in return for that, like, you know, uh, you know, uh, 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 uh a salary floor of like sixty thousand dollars a year for every player, uh, unless unless this. I'm pretty sure that doesn't even exist for the yeah, MLS. Yeah, yeah. If 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 unless something like that happened, I can't see them doing that. So, um, if I was a betting man, I would say we're probably gonna we're we're gonna have four divisions uh, and uh, a shortened playoff, or quite possibly. Um, no season at all, really. Uh, I know there's there's been talk of uh, you know what happens if one one city one one state opens up before another does. So let's say here in Colorado, we're on we're still on stay at home orders, but in Utah, you know you it, it's it's a free for all. You can do whatever you want. You you know Salt Lake City is not going to want to come in into here and risk you know, getting, getting infected. And, you know, we can't exactly have crowds or gatherings larger than 10 people. So, you know, the, the option of maybe, you know, like all teams in the West gathering in like Arizona for the entire season or, and like everyone in the East gathering in Florida or something. I, I, I can't see that happening either because that's kind of goes in hand in hand with the, with the, the closed door games, not not bringing in any revenue, that kind of thing. Yeah, the the league would definitely have to have some sort of program to to subsidize this to the teams. Um, but I I just can't see anyone really agreeing to that because I mean, you know, and let's face it, if they like put it in Tucson, how many people in Tucson are going to go watch the LA Galaxy two versus Portland Timbers two? You know, um, not exactly going to be a hot ticket. And it's going to have this pretty much the same effect as just having closed door games, just with additional travel. So, um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if we if we did the 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 four divisions, or if it comes at some point where it's June or July, and we're really not sure what's going on. Um, if they just say, "Hey, 2020 is not happening at all," clubs can do whatever they want with their season tickets, whether it's they reimburse them or yeah, I imagine for the switchbacks are like, cool, if you bought a ticket, it transfers over to 2021 at the new stadium, and, uh, you know, you'll get a exclusive tour or a t-shirt or something like that. But um, those are the really the two options I see going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I mean... Um, you, you can also look back at, you know, the last time we had... Uh, a major pandemic interrupting sports. Look at the the Spanish flu in 1918 canceled uh, canceled seasons indefinitely. Um, I believe uh, hockey was canceled during the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Um, like it, the possibility of not having a season at all is still very real. Yeah, I think and I, I'm. And don't quote me on this, but I believe the last time the Open Cup was canceled was during the Spanish flu. Um, 
which surprised me when I read it because I had assumed that a lot of the sports uh, wound down during World War II. But uh, uh, yeah, I, th- I think I've learned more about the nineteen the, the nineteen seventeen eighteen Spanish flu epidemic than I ever really wanted to learn in my lifetime. Um, but you know, I, I think also the leagues are looking at that as a model because they opened up and this little the world opened, and the second wave hit even worse. Yeah, and uh, I th- Ex- exponentially so. Yeah, and uh, I, I worry about that happening here. And uh, um, us not having not having any more sports, it just uh, it really sucks. Um, let's see other major developments uh, in in the the soccer sphere is is this. Uh, has a little bit of effect on the USL is that the is US soccer uh, dissolved their development academy. Um, basically, the United States Soccer Federation had had a youth youth academy program, um, which had territories and and they basically dissolved it in part because of the pandemic, uh, in part because it really wasn't working and helping all that much. Hence, our World World Cup appearance. Uh, Eight years ago, <laughs> but um, for the USL and really for the for the US soccer period, this is great news because now, uh, like the Switchbacks have a development academy with uh, um, Pride and not Pride, right? Pride, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's Pride. Yeah. Pride. I get Pride and Rush mixed up, but it's Pride. Um, <laughs> And 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 probably those 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 players who play in Rush or play in Pride would probably stab me right now if they heard that because I know there's <laughs> there, there's not there's a, a bit of a rivalry yeah um, but this means like like every every USL team can have their own academy locally without a bunch of stipulations and random and rules and territory we can have a, like an academy and the Rapids can have an academy and. Uh, you know, New Mexico can have an academy, and really, what this creates is 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 you know when you when you add in uh, USL championship uh, leagues one and league two, um, just an enormous footprint. Um, I believe there's 130, I mean, 130 USL clubs in the United States, and with all that coverage, if there if every t- every team had an academy. Uh, even if it's just something really loosely put together, that means that's that's more elite player development as players go on from academy to league one championship and, and onward. And really, we stop looking at MLS as the only way that we're going to get, uh, you know, a, a good World Cup team. You know that the back in the '90s, the thinking was, oh, we need to have our own Premier League. So we can foster, you know, American players to be better, and uh, it really hasn't worked out that way. I mean, you, look at England. You know, England's got probably the best Premier League in Europe, and they're not the their national team isn't exactly busting down doors. Sorry, Mark, um, but <laughs> it, it's that was kind of a thought for many years. When building the MLS was it was going to serve as development uh, to get to, to discover and get player and U.S. players ready for the World Cup. And instead, what's happened is it's given um, 
a lot of the smaller CONCACAF countries players a place to play, you know, Costa Rica and uh, Haiti and Jamaica and all, they, they all get, you know, found a place to play at an elite level. And U.S. players are kind of left to eat, you know, occasionally go over to Europe or have that, that push and pull between staying home in America or going over to Europe where they're probably going to be better or they're going to really suck like Landon Donovan. Um, <laughs> so I, th- I think now if we get rid of the disaster of the development, the U.S. Soccer's Development Academy program and we open it up and really let you know, it be a grassroots effort and I, I think that's going to be great going into uh, you know, the next decade and the decade after that. Um, and it's not like we're going to be building from scratch. You know, there's a lot of legacy teams that are already there that now just get a little bit more um, behind it, uh, a little more um, breathing room, a lot less regulation. So that's pretty cool. Um, the other thing, and I know... This this kind of came as a surprise to me uh, reading through the, through this and listening to it is promotion relegation something that that's always talked about in American soccer uh, promotion relegation and Jake Edwards uh, surprisingly said uh, he wants it he says it's not a matter of when but it's a matter of when but not if and basically it would be not to MLS, they're going to keep the separate system, but USL between Championship and League One. Um, whereas, you know, we have promotion relegation between uh, USL and League One, and kind of get get rid get rid of the idea that you know we're we're the second flight, League One is third flight, and just USL is its own soccer league, uh, loosely affiliated with the MLS. Um, but you know, to, to quote Jake Edwards, if I keep talking about it, it'll it'll help it happen. Uh, it's a good conversation. Ultimately, my goal is to move it out of the chat rooms and into the mainstream, and ultimately to get it going. So the more we talk about it, the better. Folks around the USL and in the league office feel the same way as, as the supporters. It would be something compelling for our league. I've said before, we are a league that needs to innovate and needs to differentiate from other leagues here, and we are not anywhere near the point where we're going to, where we're, we're, go, we're not at any point, sorry, where we're going to put 20, 30, 40 million dollars worth of talent on the field. In the absence of that, why are people tuning in and engaging? Uh, to that end, he sees promotion relegation as being a, a selling point for fans, which, which, I mean, to me, I hear that and I'm like, Dodoy. Um it's it's pretty obvious. It's it's something that we've the supporters of promotion and relegation uh, over the years have have known. Um, you know, very much. Uh, we we were a perfect example of it uh, last season, where at a certain point in the season, when there's no hope of you reaching the playoffs, um, what what impetus is there for you to care about the games? Yeah. Um, there's no there's no passion at the bottom of the table. Whereas you look at leagues that have promotion and relegation, and the fight to avoid relegation is immense. It's it there's almost as much passion and excitement about achieving safety as there is, you know, getting into the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and the 
even better for the the teams in the lower league that have the opportunity to to get promoted. Um, particularly, you look at uh, in England the championship uh, into the Premier League, where the um, the top two teams gain automatic promotion, and then there's a, a a four team playoff to get the third spot. You know, it creates more drama. It gives more games to sell tickets to, and it gives the fans something more to be excited about. Yeah, and and in uh, right now, I believe there's eight teams in in uh, in League One, um, and they're they're expanding as well. You know, there's going to be more expansion uh, in the championship uh, next year, Queensborough is going to be joining the uh, USL championship. And he, he mentions other teams, you know, like Boise um, you know, Omaha just got a league one team. We played them uh, in the Wasatch uh, tournament in Salt Lake, but you know, Omaha's there uh, in league one. There's, you know, Tucson there. There's really you know, teams that have solid followings, and can you imagine the, the Tucson moving up to the Premier League and or moving up to the Championship League? Sorry, and and you know just the natural rivalries that would create with Tucson versus Phoenix. You know uh, that oh, that would be pure fire. That would be a, that would be an amazing derby. That would be an amazing rivalry. Yeah, and so right well right now there's less than ten teams in League One, and there's. 30 mid 30s plus in the championship so you know there's room for some of these teams to kind of move down a little bit um you know we've got these new teams building stadiums um and you know if the the if the, the quality side of the the if like the switchbacks i think it would suck for the switchbacks to be demoted but i don't think it would destroy them to be demoted to league one you know, I don't think it, I, I don't think so either. And, I don't think so either. And I think it would it would actually create excitement then to be competing to go back up to up to the championship. And and you know, it's it. it I'm so I'm really 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 excited. Um, it, it is exciting to hear someone in a position of authority in the league outright saying that they're that they're actually for it because this has been an argument for so long yeah. in this country. Yeah, and. Um, you know, and talking about you know trying to sell owners on the new system that has a potential financial risk for relegated clubs and a uh, potentially huge financial undertakings for those who get promoted, and he said his answer is you know it's a tough one to answer. The reality is we've got to make sure that the level below the championship is on solid enough footing to make the transition up, and there will be some grace period to adjust when you make that step up. Ultimately, you're making the step from League One to the championship. That's a several million dollar operational cost increase that you're going to need to be able to bear. And you need to know that your market can sustain that. We know that the valuation of franchises will increase. We know that the positive things will happen, but we need to make sure that the business can sustain that the other way and the other way around. We've got to navigate back to a solid footing, but for me, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility to see that in the next two or three seasons. So, that's that's exciting. Yeah, that, I mean, to me, that's I'm surprised more people are not talking about that because I read that, and I was like, oh my god! I mean, this is we're when you're talking about, you know, they're already talking about how to solve the operational cost increases and the market, you know, the market increases, and 
him saying next two or three seasons, I mean, that's, we're talking 22, 23. And, you know, maybe we wouldn't be having this conversation if it wasn't for the fact that we're on this, this uh, lockdown right now. This gives everyone a chance to take a step back from operating, breathe in and reevaluate where we're going in the future. And it sounds like that's what they're doing that. So, um, yeah, uh, the the last thing he talked about is expansion. This is about the time of the year when they always say, hey, we're, we're going to be expanding uh, when the new expansion teams are announced. Uh, probably not. He says, you know, they're during talks with other teams and they got things, you know, in the pot, but it would be inappropriate to announce it at this time. I'm thinking he's more thinking about it would be inappropriate to announce we're bringing in more teams while the current teams are can't play. Uh, but he mentions Providence, uh, Rhode Island, I assume Rhode Island, uh, Des Moines, Baltimore. Um, I've seen Boise. Uh, Man, the Des Moines menace. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I, I've got some history with those. those <laughs> um, a couple others. They all have, he says they all have stadium plans, very ambitious, ambitious stadium plans, and those haven't gone away. Um, So, ba ba ba. Pouring over my notes here. Uh, let see if there's anything that, that we missed. Um, so, yeah, that that's kind of where we're at right now is, you know, to wrap it all up, uh, not sure when we're going to come back. Uh, we're definitely probably going to come back. And if, if we do come back, it'll be a look very different uh, season-wise. And, um, man, promotion relegation, uh, academy. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff happening uh, in the USL, um, a lot of it fairly good. Uh, so um, I know we don't get to watch the teams play, but I don't know if you told me in February that we'd be entering May undefeated. <laughs> I'd have been pretty excited. Absolutely. <laughs> um Random thought on the promotion relegation. Um, Liga, the uh, Liga MX, and uh, has uh, stopped their promotion relegation for five years. Interesting. Yeah, there was a couple teams that uh, could not make it financially and raised. Uh, I, I don't have the I don't have it in front of me, but um, the uh, Ascension, I believe, is the name of it. Their second division. Um, they're having you know, they're having some financial issues even before the uh, uh, the pandemic. So the pandemic hit and they went ahead and have suspended promotion relegation for five years. Uh, so I guess while we're excited about the thought of it, you know, there's a ver- very close uh, model, not model, but um, not the European model below us, uh, or geographically below us, to the south of us where it's not working out. So, something we can learn from from the Mexican leagues. Uh, so, not good for them. Uh, hopefully, good for us. Um, that's about all I have, man. Do you got anything? No, I, I, I uh, I'm actually shocked that we had this much to this much time to cover. I thought I thought this might be a, a futile effort trying to make a a, a, a back chat show. Um, 
in a time without without <laughs> the switchbacks. But uh, you know, I'm uh, thoroughly impressed. Well, you know, it, it all comes down to just trolling Twitter, Twitter, 24 hours a day, and uh, <laughs> you do that, and you can find bits and pieces to bullshit about for an hour. So, um, absolutely. When when the world opens back up again, we'll have to we'll have to get an intern for that. We can't be using our on air talent for that, Jason. <laughs> Oh boy. Um, so (laughs) that's about it. Uh, if you can, um, God, what was I going to say? I know we don't have any sponsors, so whatever, buy whatever products you like. Um, I did get a very nice fuck coronavirus scarf from roughneck (laughs) scarves. Uh, I'll have to post that on, uh, on Twitter. Um, which is totally my mood right now. Uh, uh, um, so yeah, uh, no sponsors. So uh, um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, Switchbacks got got uh, uh, taking deposits for twenty five bucks for the new stadium. They I heard them say that they're up to five thousand uh, season ticket reservations for the new stadium, which uh, blew my mind. Um, That's incredible. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that those are real numbers and not, um, you know, uh, not fluffed up. Yeah. But, but 25 bucks gets you a deposit, uh, on, on next year's season tickets. Um, you know, check out, they've got, they check out their auctions, just go to their Twitter page. I just looked six minutes ago, uh, uh, coach Koch just posted a special message for someone, for everyone. And I didn't get to say it because here I'm talking to you, but um, they're keeping content up on on their on on the Switchbacks Twitter, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I think they even got Snapchat going again. And wouldn't surprise me if they're on TikTok. And I'm too old to understand all these new social media things, so (laughs) we'll just be on Twitter and Facebook. Um, Like us, subscribe whatever you cool kids do it again we're on the beautiful game network um hit them up it's a rough time for all of all of uh soccer fandom right now and all supporters waiting for something to cheer about so uh yeah keep the give likes subscribe listen to podcast uh let's not let this pandemic uh take away passion we have for our teams for our sports for our community and for each other right couldn't have said it better myself rock on stay safe uh maintain your social distancing wear a goddamn mask when you go out people if one of you kill me i'm gonna be pissed uh so that and we will talk to you we talk to you next for now i'm jason enjoy the apocalypse bye